Welcome back, everyone, to another Black Create Connect podcast episode where one of your favourite hosts, Alicia Latoya Richardson, speaks to some of the most impactful, inspirational, incredible Black founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders worldwide. And today I am in London and I'm with the one and only Charlene Hunter, who is the founder of Coding Black Females. Give it up wherever you are in your home. Sometimes you have to clap for yourself for just being here. I'm gonna clap for myself. Yeah, clap yeah. for yourself. Like I woke up this morning. Clap. I did it. I did it. I woke up. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 Is there? So before I kind of get started, mm-hmm. I want you to give your own intro as well to you before we kind of yeah. go into your journey. So feel free to give us a Charlene Hunter intro. Who are you? What is it you're working on? Okay. Well, hi. Um, I'm Charlene. Charlene Hunter. I always introduce myself in that really weird way. Charlene, Charlene Hunter. But I'm the founder and CEO of Code and Black Females. So we're an organisation set up to, essentially we're a tech community. That's why we started. That's why we exist. Mm. And now we're trying to get more black women into the industry, but also support progression through it as well. My background is that I've been a software engineer for about 15 years. And I was just like, you know, I love, I love what I do. I love building software. I love creating new things. But I also want to meet black women who are like me as well. So that's what I do. That's my background. Amazing. Well, thank you for, mm-hmm. for introducing us to, to who you are and Coding Black Females. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know, by the way, as well, we've partnered up with Coding Black Females to expand opportunities. So the next Absolutely. careers day, I'll be, be helping you out and taking hey, part. I need to do the admin side of that, but I, but I, but I, but I will be <laughs> taking to fill out the form. Yeah, I need to fill out the form <laughs> because I'm so bad at admin, but I will. Um, and the last one was so good. Mm. The last one was really good. The the ladies were so engaged. People got so much out of it as well. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It's, honestly, what, what made you start those career days in particular? So the great thing about those is it wasn't my idea, right? So a lot of the stuff that we do wasn't my, were, were my ideas or things mm. that I really wanted to do. But we've been running these boot camps for a while now. So we run a range of like coding boot camps to get people into tech. And we wanted to create an opportunity for people to just find out more about careers, you know, mm. not just the how to do a good CV, but also how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to mm. deal with resilience, but also having people just bring their own ideas as well. Mm. So we were like, we could run a really structured week that we've decided exactly what we want to be the topics, mm. or we could go to the community, people that we work with, our other partners as well, mm. and say, how do you want to get involved? And we've mm. seen it be fantastic. Yeah. So people come along to that and they upskill in different ways they take it from what they need as well and then they move on to their careers yeah yeah, yeah. it's really impactful because i think like you said outside mm. of the um the core skills of working in tech the soft skills is what's, so is what's missing yeah. sometimes especially for us i feel like where i mean when i was when i first graduated i was still i was figuring out how to just communicate manage my mm-hmm. diary manage relationships stakeholders all these different things and how to show up at work yeah so it's it's good that you, you facilitate a space for that. Yeah, there's so much more. I think that's the great thing about, so since we've grown a team, so we have a team now of about 10 people. And I used to, the first bootcamp we ever ran, it was me and I worked, we worked alongside Neo Enterprise, who are now oh, Neo Bootcamp. Oyen. Yeah, yeah. Oyen, yeah, on the first bootcamps that we ran. And they were fantastic. And then after that, I've kind of stepped away from being so involved now mm. that we're working as a single team. Mm. But 
the great thing is that the rest of the team can come up with some fantastic ideas and that's yeah. exactly what they've done and careers week is one of those things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i can i can see well thank you we're, we're gonna go into coding back females a bit yeah, more sure but i like to always take it back mm-hmm. everyone knows the pattern the routine <laughs> we like to go back into who you are so mm. start from wherever you want to start some people start from when they were born some people start from when they're 15 but when did your journey start talk to us about your upbringing just take it away it's interesting because um if when people used to ask me this question before I started talking about my background um I was like well I just fell into software engineering and that's it Mm. but I actually I realized that it's like my whole life has been written by my parents and now I'm doing exactly what they wanted me to do but so when I was so I grew up in Nottingham that's where I was that's where it was fantastic and my parents are Jamaican and they're amazing as well yeah exactly right (laughs) celebrate that so yeah my parents are Jamaican and when I was a kid um I would say one of my it's gonna sound awful one of my earliest memories is going to community meetings with my parents discussing how to empower the black community right really so they would do it they were running quite a lot of community-based organizations um so that they were some of my earlier memories but then also when I was at school I was really enjoying maths I found a computer at school as well and I was on there coding so I've always been in this coding coding yeah from what age uh, about eight. So eight's when I found my first computer and started coding on that. Um, my parents bought me, you know, those little kid computers that you'd get as well. They bought me one of those when I was a kid. And I discovered in the book that you could learn how to code on it. And I just started coding and made little friends for myself who would have little conversations. So imagine now you go on chat GPT and you're like, yeah. hey, like, let's have a conversation. It'll have a conversation. Mm. I'm going to say that I was building things like that when I was a kid. I wasn't. But <laughs> I was kind of building these little chat bots that would have conversations with me when I was a kid. When you was eight years old, when you were building chatbots. Yeah, because it was quite fun. How, but how? That like you must have been. I don't know if I can build a chatbot now. So you could. So, <laughs> it's really easy. And you, you you say that with you know your <laughs> experience. But how? Like, did you just self teach yourself? So kind of yeah. So mm. back then we didn't have the internet, mm. so we had books, and I would just go through the books, look at how people would maybe build a calculator translate that to maybe building a conversational bot type thing Mm. and then start building a bot instead or you'd look at some of the games you'd play on computers look at the code behind it and then alter the game and make it a bit more interesting so yeah I was doing that from quite an early age um always always been really into coding and tech and things like that but that's that's so fascinating because that's something that I didn't even have exposure to really until I was an adult well yeah I think it was just by accident I don't even think the teachers knew that the school computer had coding that could be coded on. I didn't think they knew that we could do that. And then also the stuff that my parents were buying me, I don't think they actually knew that I was learning to code in my bedroom at night time. Like, I think they just thought I was going to bed. So, yeah, I was, it's always been there. So what else was you into? Did you, did you have any other interests? Did I have hobbies? Or, yeah. <laughs> or was you just... Was I a stuff? geek when I was a kid? I was a geek when I was a kid. So... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i used to enjoy doing maths challenges and maths puzzles oh, wow. i would do coding um i would build electrical circuits in my bedroom um i would build computers i would take everything electrical apart and put it back together figure yeah. out how it worked um but i'd also love doing crosswords i used to try and read the dictionaries so that i could understand the structure of words and what words were so my my diction my this is oh this sounds awful my crossword game was like okay if we're gonna do crossword tonight the only way you're allowed to do it is if you can learn new words every every night so i'll do a crossword look the words up in the thesaurus and then just have more words that i had in my brain just for fun 
but then I wasn't doing any homework and I was getting really bad grades but at least I was having a bit of fun with with words so that was that was like a hobby for you like that was like looking that was at, fun yeah wow yeah I, yeah I did have friends as well though no 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 no, it's <laughs> no I'm, I'm fascinated because I've always wanted to to love learning like that but I haven't yeah. so when people speak about this I'm just like this is fascinating it was fun it was fun yeah so when when you were I guess as you was developing and you was getting older did you mm. realize okay cool this is what I want to do or did you did you kind of just go with so the flow of what you I like I guess that's where I'll probably bring my parents back into it yeah. right so like I said they were running community organizations so that's what I thought was normal is mm. that when you become successful you mm. support the community around you that's what is normal to me um so there was that element of it but then also my my dad has a software company which started off as like a electronics company so back in the day they'd be doing networking they'd be building um different systems and fixing tvs things like that Mm. then it developed into um maybe more focused on computers so we'd develop and build computers and different types of systems and then after that then moved into software so yeah. whilst they were progressing, I was obviously learning at every stage that they were progressing the business as well. Uh, and then my mum, she um, had a like a training organisation. So she was teaching people, um, when I was a lot younger, it was like confidence building skills and, and things like that and how people could, women could get back into the workplace and things like that. But then also crazy. numeracy and literacy. So I was going around and helping her to do some of the teaching. So I'd go off on site and and teach people about numeracy and literacy and so on. Um, which none of this I wanted to do as a career at all. I didn't want to get involved in any of it. Um, I just was, it was just there as part of my life. Mm. Um, so in terms of then choosing or figuring out what I wanted to do, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I want to be an accountant. Like that's a career. I understand mm. that as a, a career with steps and so on. Um, so I actually went to do a maths degree wanted to go on and do maths do accounting done a that. whole mathematics degree did a maths degree yeah no Charlene it. I'm not gonna lie I've like I, I've had another girl that's probably is like into like studying the maths as you but I feel like you're both neck and neck like this is <laughs> this is incredible I, I don't know I mean maths for me maths was pretty much the only thing I could do right so I'd done like maths and further maths at school for a level mm. maths further maths and physics so all I had as options were maths or physics for uni mm. really and maths made more sense because I could do more things with it so I just did a maths degree what was it about maths that really interests you just just to really get in there and understand I think it's fun and it makes sense and I think that a lot of people assume that I'm there like just with numbers and doing loads of number stuff but it's actually not numbers at all after a certain point you're kind of looking at a, a sentence or a, a statement and then you try to prove it and that I think I really, really enjoyed. That was a lot of the maths that I loved. was like proving different statements, proving theories mm. and running through that and like having the elegance of how you'd build it out. It's just, I don't know, it just brings excitement to you. So for me, it was that side. So when I was a kid, it was the numbers bit. Mm. It was looking at the patterns in numbers and things like that, which is actually quite fun. Mm. As I became more experienced or, or learned more, um, it was then really looking at the theories and, and understanding them and knowing how to apply them, but then also how to prove them as well. So when you were doing maths, I, mm. I guess I guess you thought to yourself, okay, I, I can probably be an accountant with this degree. Yeah. Or exactly. Or not. 
when you were doing the actual degree of maths, yeah. where, where about did you study, by the way? University of Birmingham. Okay. Yeah. So when you were doing that, did you ever, in that time, face any kind of challenges or difficulties? Whether it was even from a social aspect, from in any, was there any challenges? Because right now it sounds like you had like a nice, easy ride, <laughs> done, you know, built, built codes when you were younger and yeah. done physics maths and that was it but what type of challenges that are significant enough for you to mention did you encounter kind of in your early early years challenges I mean I think I had constant challenges like I grew up in Nottingham mm. um, I went to an all-white school and I was the only black child there so therefore I had to explain what it meant to be black to everybody from the age of five right so I spent really I didn't have to but I didn't know that you went I didn't I thought that's what I was supposed to do because kids were like why are you black why are you this? they used to ask you why, yeah, why, why, why are the, you black some of the teachers so I'd be like I think the reason is this, because I had no idea. So I think that was a challenge, was like feeling like I had to justify my identity mm. continuously. Um, that wasn't enjoyable, but I thought it was just part of life and that's just what you did. Um, so I'd say that my biggest challenge as I was growing up was probably racism that I experienced in Nottingham. But then, I don't know, it's just, that just is, right? Like it just happens. When when you kind of talk about you having to explain yourself as a black mm. person, what impact did that have on how you kind of showed up to school or just in general life? Did it have any impact on you at all? Or did you just breeze through it and say, okay, cool, I have to explain myself? Oh, I, I, yeah, it definitely had an impact, right? Mm. Like, you can't spend all of your early years explaining yourself without it having an impact. So I would say that there was probably an impact on understanding my identity and things like that, wanting to have a real understanding of it. So mm. my parents, like when they saw things like that happening, they were sending me to like Saturday school at the same time so that I was around the black community. I was learning about my culture, my history, my background and around okay. people that I could have that where I'd feel very comfortable, right? Mm. So I had that to give me the support I needed mm. to feel and understand who I am as a black person mm. whilst then in my, I don't know, just at school, just explaining it away, I guess. Um, so yeah, there was an impact probably bit negative in terms of that turning up bit but I really wanted to focus on my skills so then I would say to myself okay because I know that as a black person I may be judged more I might be seen in a different way let me make sure that anything I do I solidify it with a certification or a, something solid mm. so no one can ever take that away from me if mm. you know what I mean mm. so yeah I would say that's how I probably looked at it so you so you kind of approached it as do you know what this is how life is mm. so I need to make sure I go the extra mile or work twice as hard yeah. to prove my, not my worth, but prove why. No, but I exactly that. Room, yeah. In the same way that I'm sure all of us went through that bit where our parents sat us down and were like, look, you're going to have to work twice, twice as hard. hard. And it's like, okay, cool. I just know that's what I've got to do then. So you just do it. What do you think about that about, about that statement today? I don't, think it, I don't think we should have to do it. So I know it's going to sound strange, but I don't think we should, I think we should be allowed to be mediocre as black people, right? If you think of when you go to the workplace, anybody else is allowed to be average is allowed to underperform and still be okay we should also be allowed to underperform not saying that we shouldn't also be excellent because we are and we should be but um i think we should be able to be every kind of person in the workplace and yeah work twice as hard if you want to if you've got the energy yeah and some of us are going to have that like some of us have that spirit we're going to want to do all of that that's fine mm. but i think you should also be allowed to be a person who just does what you need to do as well I agree with you. I've, I, I definitely feel like I've come across so many leaders, especially mm. as well, that are very mediocre. And they've managed to get to where they are. But so I'm, I'm like, how come there's lack of representation exactly. for black people when you they can probably do what you're doing or maybe better? Mm -hmm. Who knows? 
You know, so I, I completely agree yeah. with you about not having to feel like you need to work twice as hard. It is helpful, though. It is helpful. That's yeah. the thing. And I wouldn't tell somebody not to do it. Yeah. I would just say that if you're going to have two people in the workplace and one is black and one's white and one's underperforming, you're both underperforming, you should get the same outcome. Yeah. Right? Either yeah. both of you get fired or both of you get to keep your job. Yeah. It shouldn't be one or the other. Exactly. So, and I think that's the thing is I want to see equality there as well as at the top, right? Yeah. As well as with the people that are really excelling. Let's see it on every level. What about in uni? How did you feel when you got to uni? Because obviously you've got you've had this whole kind of mm. life in Nottingham, experiencing racism, having to justify who you are, mm. but yet seeing your parents be you know strong black parents. Mm. How did how did you kind of emerge yourself in uni? Did was that something you were even aware of? Did you care about you being black or not? Or so uni was probably an interesting one because, and I think that's the thing that I loved about university is that you could almost choose where you wanted to be if you know mm -hmm. what I mean like you could choose the spaces you wanted to be in and it's like the first time you get to do that where you're not friends with somebody because you sit next to them you're friends with them because you've chosen them and found them yeah right? so I remember on the first day of like maths class first day of yeah. math um the only other black woman um who was on the class she was like well I guess me and you're friends yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah I guess we are and then um the other black guy we're friends like we're still friends now today because but we're both of them yeah I because we've like they were the first people I met when I started doing maths. Yeah. And so that was that was great. I didn't really feel... I wasn't thinking about the fact that we weren't represented. I was just there mm. doing maths because I love maths. I think that the great thing was, was having like an ACS, an African Caribbean society that you could then be a part of as well, where we, it's like we had our own world, where we had our own parties, we had our own this, we had our own everything, right? And that was great. And I'd never had that before on a, in that much of a social setting before I'd left before I'd left Nottingham because when I was in Nottingham yeah we had that community side but it was all very business focused or it was to do with education it wasn't to do with just I don't know socializing yeah. yeah exactly just having fun so did you did you imagine yourself a lot in ACS or was it a thing where you just attended events and yeah I think so yeah. so I think I went to most of the parties that they had at least for the first couple of years and I was out all the time so I was probably going to stuff I wasn't involved in running anything I didn't do anything like yeah. that um I was just yeah, a goer going out to everything i can't imagine you partying you know oh really it's so it, it, it's <laughs> charlie's like really? it really has seen no i would never party i'm such a good person so like yeah so i mean so how did because you, you're, you're jamaican man jamaica's yeah. got a massive culture yeah you know from dancehall dash soca we have a we have mm. a we have a lot to us food everything how did you i guess stay being in a whole in a white environment growing up in growing up there how did you still stay in touch with your actual Jamaican culture so I know you had the education side yeah but how did you keep in touch with your well my my weekends and my summers were in like black school right ah, so that's where I, I was all the time okay. um and even I met two friends when I was like three I think one was three I was four the other one was five and we're still friends now we met in like the African Caribbean club that we went to when we were kids we oh, let recorded together. We then grew up and became best friends. We're all Jamaican and we still go to parties in Jamaica every year. Like, to really? like So, you know, it's that's where the culture is. The family that we've had around us when I've been growing up, that's mm. obviously still there. Um, all my parents' friends are Jamaican. Okay, and, you right. know, everything else is Jamaican. It's just school was, was not that way. Got you. Okay, yeah. that makes sense then. So you managed to, to have the balance. Yeah, exactly. Two, which, is, which is fantastic. Okay, cool. So university, you studied math. Mm -hmm. um, you, did you do a gap year or... No, I wanted to do a gap year. And I was like, hey, mum and dad, I'm going to do a gap year. And they were like, you know you're not. Like, why would you do a gap year? 
so there was no gap year there was straight to university and then Shit it was out. like you need to get to work because you can't just no one chills like you can have a gap year like when you've been working for five years <laughs> who does that no one takes a year out of your no you don't no but um so i did i did my three years of uni mm. i then tried to apply for jobs and to be honest i partied a little bit too hard for the first two years so my oh, grades of uni. of uni right so my grades were awful and i couldn't apply for any jobs yet so i had to finish my third year get my grades up so i did a master's after that so that i could have something else with good grades in it and then i um started applying for jobs after that really yeah. so you had to do you, had, you felt like you had to do a master's yeah because i got um door. yeah because i got i went to uni got a two one and it was only at the end of uni that i realized that if i'd worked hard all yet like the whole three years i probably would have got a first but two one's still good yeah no it's still good but if i could have got a first why uh, then i should yeah. try and get a first so i was like let me do a master's and try and get a distinction on that and so i did a master's and got a distinction instead as well so that i would have both with good grades what um what masters did you do for computer the science okay yeah and then i'm guessing that's where you're where you open yeah. up to yeah so it's interesting because at the end of my degree i was then um i had no idea what to do i was applying for accounting and i remember speaking to people and they were like shani you're probably not gonna like it but and i was like but i don't know what else to do mm. so over the summer i worked with my parents so at my dad's i built somebody's website with my mum. i did some training and I did some accounts for one of their mates as well. Mm. So I did all three. And I was like, actually, the accounts bit's kind of boring. Training, I don't really know what that is in terms of a career at this stage, mm. whilst you're entry level. And then I loved building the website. Like, I loved finding out how she wanted it. I loved finding out, you know, the errors with it and fixing it. So I was like, let me do computer science. So that's how oh, I chose that path. I see. Yeah. That makes really sense. Helped. How was that master's for you? Like, the honest, honest opinion on how that was? The honest opinion is so when i started it i felt so guilt i felt like i was cheating because it was so much easier than maths at that point so i'd done maths right really intensely for one year one year super intense maths because i didn't have to learn everything in a year mm. and then i did computer science and it was like applied maths at that point so for me i felt like i was cheating for a good bit of it because i just it was just so, so easy. easy yeah and i felt like it should be harder it just felt like I cheated the whole time. So your master's was easy? Yeah, it, it was really easy. Until, wow. so I chose, um, so obviously you do a dissertation. I built like a fractal image compression yeah. um, software for that. And that was quite hard because I had to learn um, languages that I didn't know. I had to learn about fractals and how they worked. And then I had to make it compress images. And that was quite difficult. But mm. the theory behind a lot of what we did at that stage was, was pretty straightforward what so in in computer science masters for anyone considering it what yeah. what are some of the things they covered i know you said applied maths but what are some of the things that they, they teach you is it different languages coding languages so when or? i say it's like applied maths i wouldn't say that computer science is applied maths i'm saying it mm. felt like applied maths right mm. so um you'll learn about a lot of um data structures so if anyone's been learning anything you might have learned heard about like arrays or sets or probably more like arrays maps things like that so that's some of the data structures that you may cover that's mm. maths essentially mm. and that's where i say that the applied maths is you'll also learn um maybe not different languages i only learned one whilst i was studying i did java um and normally it'll be a, a language like that so java or c sharp or something in that kind of arena um and then on top of that just how systems are all put together if you're doing a master's because it's only one year mm. they just teach you like the key theory really so okay. different types of databases how they all work and and how they work within a system and so on okay yeah. okay and how was it when you left 
So you finished doing your masters. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you, kind of getting into the workplace? How did you navigate it? That was quite fun. It was interesting. So I graduated in two thousand and eight, and two thousand and eight was a one of our first recession, not first recessions, the first one I'd gone through yeah. at that kind of age, right? So we had a recession. There were not many jobs out there. Like the job market was awful. Um, but I applied for a few jobs and I got offered all of them. Really? Um, yeah, because I guess my CV had work masters. experience and a master's and a degree, right? So it had basically everything you need to get a job at that point. Um, so I applied for quite a few jobs. I only did uh, applications for jobs where I had to do a CV. No application forms because I didn't have time for that. I was like, okay, I'm going to take getting a job like it's a subject. Yeah. And I just sat there and I applied for everything I could find. And I just did interviews and then turned a bunch of them down because I didn't have the time. How, um, how did you ace your interviews at such an early stage in your career? Like, who, who helped you? Um, I, probably, I probably spoke to my parents at some point about how to, you know, get past an interview. Mm. Um, but I studied myself, I think. So I sat down and I looked at different interview techniques. Because um, by that point, we had the internet, so I could look stuff up. Yeah. But I looked up interview techniques. I understood the sorts of questions I could get asked. I broke them down. I then researched my CV, understood myself and tried to map my CV to every single possible okay, question perfect. I could get. And then that way, and I, when I was going to the interview, I wasn't even thinking, let me look at my CV. I was looking at my cue cards, which was like, if they ask you about leadership, these are the points you're going to use. Yeah. If they ask you about, I don't know, teamwork, you're going to use these. Yeah. So I really understood every single um, facet that they could want in that kind of company mm. and linked it back to my skills and experience. Mm. That's the best way to approach interviewing as mm. well. That's what I always tell people to always, I mean, when I was doing recruitment, I yeah. always used to ask things in sections regard versus them just telling me their whole CV. Exactly. Like, it, it didn't make sense all the time yeah. <laughs> to, to kind of go through that. It does so, make a difference. Exactly, yeah. exactly. What what else? So when you, I guess you had all these roles kind of coming your way, which you were so fortunate mm-hmm. for, when you then started your job, what was that experience like for you, kind of going in, really intelligent black woman, into the workplace, Do you like know what? the real experience? It was horrible. So you'll say really intelligent black woman, I started thinking I knew, I was like, do you know what, I know everything. There's yeah. nothing I don't know right now. Starting my job and I was like, oh my God, I know nothing. Oh my God, this is horrible. I knew nothing, right? I felt like the stupidest person on the planet. Because I was working with people that had been in the industry for what, like 10 years or so. Yeah. And then there's me that walks in thinking I know everything. And then they're like, what about this? And I'd never heard of it before. So it was scary, I would yeah. say. For a good six months, I was just absolute fear of not having a clue what, I was doing at all um so it was definitely like a very sink or swim situation Mm -hmm. and I chose to just I studied everything that they wanted me to know at work I went home and I was like okay I'm gonna get a book on everything I'm gonna set my computer up to be exactly the same as the work computer so that I'm not scared of what I have to do and I will code I will if I need to write an email I'm gonna write it in code so that I understand it do you know what I mean I was making sure that I was fully immersed in it so that I wouldn't feel stupid anymore because I couldn't take that feeling of feeling stupid. And then I told them that I wanted to become like a subject matter expert. I wanted to move up into leadership and I want to do presentations because I hate them. So then they gave me the chance to do everything I wanted to do so that I could move up as quickly as I could. That's amazing that they they took you seriously. They were really good. They were really good. And it was, I was very lucky to land on a team where if I asked for something, they would help me to figure it out. That was amazing. Do you think that's something about you though? Because I I can imagine working in a team, mm-hmm. and if in, if a, a graduate like yourself came in with how you're describing yourself, mm-hmm. I'd be like, yeah, just give her what she wants because you've been proactive. 
So do you think that it was, like, you I had mean, a big part to play in that? Potentially. So I guess I started and I was constantly asking for feedback. So I was like, what have yeah. I done wrong so that I can improve? And I really want to improve. Mm. I was telling them that I wanted to progress and where I wanted to go and why I wanted to go there. And I was asking for every challenge that they could give me and mm. then trying to excel in those spaces as well. So I guess so. Um, I guess that I, I had something to do with it. I was also willing to do what I had to do to fit in as well. I don't think mm. people should do this. But, mm. you know, I knew that I was going into an ex- in an environment where people drank beer. And I remember saying to my mates, like, I'm in this workplace. They all drink beer. I only drink rum and croak rum and coke at the moment like that's all I drink like yeah. I need to learn how to drink beer so my mates took me out and we were like okay let's let's drink beer today we're wait wait beer. wait you actually practice <laughs> drinking beer I was like let me get out and I'm gonna drink beer <laughs> so that I can go to the pub with these people and have a good time and I learned to drink beer so that they would stop complaining about getting me a rum and coke in a round so <laughs> I was like, let me fit in and make this easy. Charlie, I can't believe you went to learn to drink beer, you know. <laughs> I'm there drinking ale, like everything. I was like, oh, I've got to get this done. <laughs> so what, and your friends drank it with you as yeah, well? Yeah, we were like, okay, we're going to have these beers. We're going to learn it. Let's do it. That's such, a, that's such a typical, like, really smart person thing to do. <laughs> it is because with me, I'll be like, yeah, I'm still having my gin and tonic, you know. So you just ordered me that, or my Sophie and Blanc, you just ordered me that. Up to now, I no, don't That's know. what a sensible person would do. I'm like, no. You want to fit in. You want to get in I there. I want to fit in, but I want to say, I want this, and I want them to say yes to it. And I saw, when I walked in on pretty much the first day, mm. there was a guy who didn't drink coffee. Mm. And I remember them saying, that guy over there doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> Isn't he a bit weird? And I was like, I've got to learn to drink coffee. <laughs> So you're all thinking, I cannot have them coming here under no circumstances. I must be accepted. How about how 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 did that really make you feel? I guess, I mean, different people mm-hmm. um, respond differently to wanting to need like needing to fit in. Mm. Did that make you feel good? Did you did it work? Like maybe honestly? in the first instance, right? Because yeah. in the first instance, you're getting the rewards of feeling like you fit in somewhere and mm. feeling comfortable. Then I got to the point that I was like, I just want to be myself, like. I just want to have a normal conversation where if people are talking about hair, I don't have to be quiet. Or if people are talking about rum, I don't have to be quiet. Do you know what I mean? Just like things I wanted to feel comfortable in my space. So I was like, I remember calling all my mates and I was like, look guys, like I'm in this new city. Like I've moved to London because I'd moved down from Birmingham. Mm. I don't know any black people. I kind of just feel isolated. Like what do I do? Um, And I think I started looking for like, I was on meetup looking for black professional groups and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Just so I could go somewhere where I felt like I fit in. Mm. Um, so that's that's what I did so I think I kind of maybe very similar to what I did at school you know I had my space where I was like okay this is what school is like and then I had the space where I can just breathe so I was like okay cool I'll go black professionals I'm gonna also um, I started um, studying black history and black studies as well so that I could understand I wanted to understand when I was experiencing racism better if that makes sense that's interesting so the if somebody was saying something I wanted to know in my mind, whether I acted on it or not in that moment, you are now being racist and I'm going to handle it in this way with facts. I don't want to handle it with emotion. I'm going to handle it with facts. Mm. So I'd, I studied um, black history and, and black studies so that I could have that and also make new friends as well. Mm. So I put myself in spaces where I could be myself. Mm. That's a really good one. Going, going on understanding black, black history and yeah. knowing how to respond to situations, what are some of the key takeaways that you remember from, from these things about, okay, this is an unobvious racist example that people might encounter and then how you best respond in... That's a really hard question, right? It is hard, so take your really time. Yeah, I think 
if I go back to like when I was at school mm. um, and people ask me why I was black, mm. I think I didn't know it was racist then. I just mm. I just thought I was supposed to know the answer. I didn't know it. Mm. Um, and I think that if anything, it was knowing I don't need to know the answer is one thing that I took from that. Um, I think also the understanding of or looking at how community had played such a large part within, plays such a large part within the black community now, but also in our history as well no matter where we're from community plays such a large part mm. in in black culture and I think that knowing that meant that I didn't have to try to fit in where I didn't belong I could be part of a community or build a community or join communities where I felt like I belonged as well and that we're allowed to all be different to each other mm. I don't know it's, mm. it's a difficult question um I don't think that was a key takeaway I think it was more I remember finishing that and I was like I feel like I can breathe and I feel like a person and that, for me, just felt really empowering. What would you tell younger Charlene now, back then, if you could just go back in time and speak to her when she was faced with those circumstances at school? What would you say to her? Um, I'd probably say something along, along the lines of, it's going to get better, so don't worry about it. And also, you don't, you don't need to know any of this. Like, I'm not going to say that... I'm, I'm not the sort of person that would ever like shout at anybody or anything, really. I'm not... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Obviously, there are people that I've shouted at, whatever, yeah. but I'm not, like, confrontational or whatever, so I'm not saying that I would have said, go out there and shout and fight or whatever, because it's not who I am, but I probably would have not felt as though it was on me to know. I wouldn't have felt like I needed to, in all those moments, like, I'm representing the entire black community if I get it wrong and how much I'm letting everybody down if I get an answer wrong, mm. that I didn't need to know the answer, mm. and that was okay, because I'm just an individual, just a person. Mm, that and makes that's what sense. That's... That's really good advice as well. And it's, I, I think you mentioned a really important point about understanding who, your history, who you are, mm -hmm. how to recognise um, racism and how to respond. Because I think um, a lot of individuals that might experience things, not only do they second guess themselves and think, oh, am I going mad? Or is mm. this actually something that I should be offended over? Or am I, am I just emotional? Like, yeah, exactly. Th like, and it was that feeling, because you have that feeling so much. Yeah. And you internalize it depending on the sort of person you are you can end up internalizing a lot yeah. of that right and yeah. thinking like that's all you and you did it and I didn't want to feel like that and I think yeah. that's a key thing that I got out of it was knowing that it wasn't me that it was other people and whether I get angry or respond or ignore whatever I choose to do mm. at least I know it's not me and that really helps in regards to I guess when you're working in this workplace and you manage to maneuver throughout your career and progress mm -hmm. into leadership what what was the point where you decided to leave? Like, why did you decide to leave if they managed to help you and open doors for you? Why did you not just stay there and just continue to um, It's interesting. So they were really, it was a great company. Like, I had a really good time there. Mm. I think that um, I used to work with, I actually, so my path was like I did, I worked full time. Um, I then went contracting and then set up my own thing. And I think that I, I used to work with contractors and realise that they were just people. Not that, they were also good, but they weren't like geniuses. They were just people who had, who were selling their services on a daily rate. And I thought, let me have a go at doing the same thing. So I'd got to a point within the company that um, whilst I was recognised for my skills, they weren't the chances to progress further. I, I had the chances and I did progress in the way I wanted to, but it wasn't what I actually wanted. I didn't realise I didn't want it yet. So I was- What do you mean by that? Sorry. So I was a software engineer. And I was coding every day and I loved it. And I was like, well, the only way I need to go up. So how do I go up? So I was like, okay, I can either go down the team lead route or I can go down the technical architecture route. 
Um, so either like being involved in the system design, you know, liaising with the client a lot, mm. or like looking after the team. I did the technical technical architecture, and realized I was just going to meetings a lot and writing a lot of documents. And the team leading meant that I had less time to code, and I just wanted to be able to code. So I think it was that realizing that I did I wasn't ready to split off yet mm. to not be as hands on, and I wanted to stay hands on. And the way that I saw a good path to do that was to go contracting where I could then say, okay, let me stay hands-on, earn more and not be tied to a company so that I have the brain space to do what I want to do and figure out what my path is next. So how did you approach contracting? What, what was that like? Because I, I always get nervous about thinking yeah. about contracting because it's like what, it can be temporary for one month or three months and then you don't know what's going to happen next. It's constantly looking. So how did you approach it? Well, I just... <laughs> So obviously I spent a lot of time in the pub, right? Like I've I made some good contacts. I made some really good connections. I just called a mate who was contracting and asked if I could get a contract. And he said, yeah. So he went to the pub, had a drink. And then he was like, do you want to join my team? So I joined his team. So That easy? Yeah, it was that easy. And then I negotiated my day rate and started started contracting and that was it. So f- for transparency, mm. I know we don't like to do this as a community, but... If someone's starting off as a contractor, as a yeah. software engineer, what should they be asking for roughly as a range? So minimum. If I'm honest, I don't know. I don't know the answer. You don't know today. Um, today's. Day I don't rate. know today's uh, rates. Okay. I would say that. Um, although to be fair, from what I've seen out there, I'm not seeing them change that much. I think that a person could get, could probably get well between three fifty and maybe like seven fifty a day. I would say, um, as somebody with a few years of experience two years of experience maybe three years of experience really? I, I could have gone contracting maybe after three years i reckon and still been okay so i i think you could probably do it after about three years and be on a day rate of maybe four five hundred a day that's really say. really good yeah with in regards to how people should rank themselves because i get asked this question quite mm-hmm. a lot in regards to what they should be asking for for both perm and also contract salary mm-hmm. for on the te- technical side of things how how should they be, I guess, valuing themselves, if you want to call it that? So, before you even think about money, mm. I would think about your behaviours and what you do on a team. Mm. So, are you somebody who goes to a team and you wait to be given a task and then you do the task? Are you somebody who goes to the team and tries to support other people whilst delivering some of your work, um, whilst suggesting alternatives and, and coming up with new ideas, right? So, what are you bringing to a team, mm. I would say? So, look at your behaviours. And then that will help you to figure out if you're somebody who's still junior, if you're actually senior, you know, or, mm. or beyond. Um, so I think look at that first. Salaries is a really hard thing to even say because depending on the industry, it can vary so much. Mm. So you can have a job in the public sector, say, where you're on like 35, but that mm. same job in, um, in like finance could be 75. Mm. So it's really hard to say, oh, actually... It, what you should be looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you have to base it on your values what you're looking for from a role how many hours you might want to work um I was in a consultancy so I was expecting that I would work many hours Mm. um you know so it just depends and I think that you have to value it based on price it based on how much you're willing to do in that position Mm. the sort of company that you want to work for and then the sort of prices that they have on offer do you think there's any discrepancies with black women being paid more or less or do you think that where that black women are usually paid quite equally when it comes to from what you've seen again i think from like factually Mm. black women i believe are paid less i don't have the numbers or the stats right or anything but i think that may be the case um from my personal experience 
Um, I've actually found that black women that I know, but that bear in mind that the black women that I know in tech are probably really, really good because we've had to do so much to get it and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, have been paid maybe slightly more sometimes. Amazing. So um, I say, like, if you look at it in a broad brush way, mm. there's we're paid less, but maybe at the top end you might be paid a little bit more. Maybe mm. that's me guessing though. I okay, really okay, okay. Yeah. That's all good to know. So, how long did you do um, contracting for? I was contracting for seven years. That's a long time yeah. of contracting. Seven years of contracting, and then after that, so I did contracting for seven years, and then I was like, I need to work inside a business again. I want to have some mm. something to say, something useful to provide to a business. Mm. Um, so I went internal then in house, and um. What did I do? I started running like a their academy program, but at the same time, coding black females was kind of taken off as well. So then I was working every hour that I was given in the mm. day um, on this internal project in a company that I'd started working for, and on coding black females as well. Just to wind it back a little bit, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So with the um, the internal program that you was working on, mm. what was the objectives of that program? What did that look like? What what was that program? You mean when I stopped, when I moved out of contracting? Yeah. So that was, it was an academy. So it was a yeah. program to train um, people who were entry level to get into tech and then start their first technical role. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it was doing that. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I'd done before um, outside of coding black females. It was like, it wasn't a technical project. It was supporting the development of, of other people. And you, did you, were you hands-on with that? Did you actually physically teach people? I didn't do the teaching. I did the uh, planning. I supported getting the people. I, you know, I did maybe the management of it as opposed to the teaching on it. That's a big switch. From seven years of contracting, being hands-on, mm -hmm. to then do, running the academy. That's a, a big switch. It's a huge switch, yeah. Yeah, so what, what, what made you do that switch from hands-on to, so to that? The switch from, um, from contracting to working full-time was actually the new tax laws. So I, I changed when IR35 oh, changed. Oh, I see, okay. So I was like, okay, let me make the decision now to go into a company and work in, inside a company. Um, so that was the first decision, I guess. And then I went to this company with the view that I would be a tech lead. So I was there working as a tech lead and I was probably on a project for about a month, um, you know, designing it and, and so on. And then the CTO was like, we've got an academy. It's the thing I love the most in the company, will you run it for me? And I was like, yeah, go on then. Let me have a go. So I just oh. said, yeah, let me do it. Amazing. He must have seen something in you and thought she's more than capable. She's structured in her approach. So I don't know about that, but he, thought, he wanted, he was my line manager and I think he could see that I, I cared about the development of other people. So um, yeah, I wanted to work with me on that. What do you think made that successful? So if any company out there that's listening mm -hmm. and they're thinking about doing something similar, what do you think made that academy really successful? I think it's understanding the capabilities of your business. Mm. So I think it's useful to make sure that you've got a good learning and development program in place when people land after they do that sort of program, right? So they've mm. got to have somewhere good to go after they finish the training. Mm. Um, when they're on the program, it's understanding also why and what you want to teach them. So are you going to just teach them how to code? Or are you going to teach them how to code with context of the business that you are and how you exist? Understood. The context makes a huge difference because then people 
understand why they're learning something and they'll be able to apply it much quicker when they get into the business as well right so then that I makes see. a that's quite an important thing to do i see and did you get external tra- um, trainers to come in or was it no they're business? all internal all internal oh, is it? yeah okay so um some of the other tech leads would then get involved in and lead and do all the delivery i see it's yeah, pretty cool so how how was coding black females initially first of all thought how did you come up with the actual concept of it? What what triggered that, first of all? So, um, I knew I wanted to do something. So mm. I was out there, like, trying to find projects to join and things like that. I was trying mm. to figure out my path at that mm. point, right? Um, the time that... I think the, the key trigger was probably watching Hidden Figures. So I went to watch Hidden Figures with my cousin and one of my friends. And it's about the black women who were part of the space race in the US. Mm. And... They were there doing like maths, they were coding and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, I've never seen like black women on stage doing maths and like coding or computing. Mm. And my cousin came out and she was like, Charlene, that's super cool. Like they're all at NASA. That could be you. And I was like, that is kind of cool actually. So I was just really inspired by watching the movie. And I'd finished like learning all about community and, Mm. you know, black culture and all that. So I went home and just created a meetup group. So I'd already done some research into different black focused tech companies and at that time there weren't really any none that were operating in the UK anyway so I created Coding Black Females um, just to have that initial starting place really that that hub for us to go to and that's how it was born and that was the initial meetup group as well yeah Yeah. I love that this is why I'm such a massive um, fan of like arts culture Mm. Um, like really immersing yourself in just new places because I feel like that's where inspiration can come Absolutely. from. Like yeah. for me anyway, that's where most of my ideas come <laughs> come from. I can be out in a different country and see a piece of art and say, oh, that that seems like that mm-hmm. could inspire something. So that's really incredible that a movie inspired that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, the thing. When loads of people come to me and they're like, oh, I really want to have an idea. Where do I get an idea? And I'm like, you just go outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, go outside Literally. and talk to people because... You trying to have an idea in your house to yourself. It doesn't work. Go outside, go to conferences, go to networking, go and watch movies, do all sorts. And then ideas will come to you. Exactly. And the thing is, I think only this year I've grasped the concept of catching up and just having dinner or lunch with Mm. someone. Before I was like, for what? Like, what were you catching up about? We don't have... No, honestly, I I used to be like that. Honestly, I was was really like, why? Why are we meeting up? We don't have anything like, like... plan together yeah but this year i thought no let me just try and um i'm like oh my goodness like there's ideas that can be exchanged there's inspiration that can happen like there's so much that have come from Mm. these random meetups with people as well so i encourage you or anyone that used to think like me then please try to change it because (laughs) you know food is nice yeah 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 i know i know i know i know but sometimes do you know do you know what it is i think it's just i don't know if it's um I think it's just a concept of why does someone want to have dinner with me and they're not my friend? Like, I, I was so confused about that mm. concept until this year. Yeah. It did. Have you always been okay with that concept of just yeah, having dinner lovely. with strangers? Just go and have dinner with strangers. Really? Because you get to eat good food and then you, if you can't think of anything to say for whatever reason, you, you can talk food. about the food. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. It's true, it's true. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I hate being in awkward situations. I'm like, this is awkward. Mm. But that never happens. I always no, end up talking to you. always have stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So it never, it always works. But anyway, mm. so you started that. Coding Black Females was born. Mm-hmm. What was the first event like? Do you remember? Oh, it was, it was tiny. So we went to a bar in Shoreditch. Okay. Where we had, I think like four or five people turned up. And I think two of those people are still members now 
Like I've watched somebody go from finishing off at a boot camp, um, or she was still on a boot camp, and now she's like, she works in the company that's run by the people who were my first like tech leads when I started Full my career. Circle. Yeah, exactly. So that was awesome. Um, so yeah, that first event, it was just discussion. So we're like, bring your code along. Let's just have a chat and see what you're coding in, like what you're building. Sick. And it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Got to talk about code with some black women. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, and you were just talking about your work, what you do, exchanging yeah, exactly. ideas. Like, yeah. That was it. Exactly that. So then you had the first meetup of five people. I feel like, again, some people might have that first meetup and be like, oh, it's only five people. No, there's no incentive to do anything more mm. than this, right? I feel, feel like it takes more. What made you then do more? What was the next step after that? So I did a few meetups. Um, so the first year, I think I did like four, not many. Mm. Um, and every single one, I had a very low turnout because I didn't tell anybody. I didn't really want to launch it. I wasn't, I'm not that sort of person who's mm. like, yeah, look at me. I can do all these things. So I just created this thing on Meetup and I was like, let's see who comes. So it was very small. Um, but every time someone came, they left and said, I needed that. Like that was the best thing for my day. And I looked forward to that. Thank you so much. And I was like, well, then I have to do it again. So every time we did it, it was based on the fact that I knew that somebody would benefit. And I always had the mindset that even if I only get one person along today, they're going to leave with a positive yeah. and therefore it's worth it. Yeah. And I've always, we still go with that now. We're like, if one person benefits, then it's then worth it. Worth, yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a time, I'm, a few times where I was sat in a place and I was like, no one's coming. I'm going to be here on my really? own. Yeah. Like no one came, but, um, but it was fine. Cause I was like, let me take my laptop and I'll just do work instead. And I'll just stay here and wait. Yeah. It's fine. But, um, and then at some point I started talking about it. I started to feel more comfortable to be open about the idea that I'd had. And then it was able to grow and I was able to get support with like social media and marketing, whatever, um, that I just hadn't even thought of before. And then we could start growing and accessing more people. How did you get support for marketing and social media? Do people just come to you and say that they'll help? Yes, people came to the sessions and they were like, do you have, um, do you have a social media account? And I was like, no, what is that? Because <laughs> I, I don't yeah. do much on socials, right? Like, so, and then they were like, I was like, do you want to create one? And they'd just create it and then start posting stuff. So... <laughs> Just other people in the community who had come to a meetup, seen it was a benefit, and then um, they would start doing it. That's what it takes, though, sometimes, yeah. for someone to just ask you, what you do? Because that's, that's what happened with Black Create Connect. Someone just asked mm. me, what are you doing with this group? Like, And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Actually, good question. And yeah. again, the same question. Why have you not got social media? I was like, I don't know. Let's 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 do I mean, that. It's not just me because I was like, do I live in the dark ages? Like, no, I mean, obviously, I have social media, but yeah. it's when it's a thing where I don't know. I think when you're um, a, a founder, even calling myself a founder feels a bit weird sometimes. But mm. um, it's like what you're figuring it out along the way. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you, like, I literally didn't even think of it. Yeah. I was like, let me just create a session and get people to come to the session. Yeah. So that was it. Exactly. So, yeah, I get it. So since then, year mm -hmm. by year, you've grown. How long have you been, Curly Murphy has been around for now? Six years now. Six That's, years. You've achieved, this is your time to, by, by the way, talk up the things. Mm -hmm. And and what have you, like, what are the key things you've achieved in the six years that, again, talk it up. Oh, wow. I never talk anything else. No, this, yeah. this is your time. Um, so I think that for the community, so we've grown quite large. We're like global now, um, which I always find funny when I think of sitting in a little room. We have people <laughs> all over the world who are coming along to our events, signing up to our programs. And that's fantastic. We have partners that support us globally as well, which is amazing. Um, I think the fact that we've grown from just doing a meetup group to having a range of events. I think we do about like 70 events a year. 
We then on yeah, like a lot of events, and people oh. gain from every single one of them. Mm. Um, so we do a lot of events. We also have mentor programs where people are using those to either progress at like senior level or they're progressing at entry level, whatever. Um, we're running loads of those a year. I think we impact about I don't know a few hundred people on our mentor programs a year, and then we also do our boot camps as well. So I was looking at the numbers today, and I think at the moment we have a few hundred people being trained on different subjects um all like some of them who again are entry level some who are more senior and they're moving into um high level positions and i think that's incredible like we went from that to now training thousands of people getting them into companies that i couldn't get into when i'd finished my master's degree because i didn't have the grades and now i'm telling them how to hire from my community and i think that's amazing so it's seeing that kind of difference that kind of growth has been um phenomenal i think I think it's great to have the community and I love the community being a community but I also was keen to start seeing tangible outcomes for people as well so I want people to know that if they come to CBF they can either connect with other people and that's fantastic or they can say I want to completely change my career or I want to make it go in this different direction and they can do that and it's even looking at people who if I take a single person and I'm like how have they gained throughout their time you know in the community and it's like okay so back in 2019 you came to two events and then in 2020 you did this course with us and then you did a mentor program and then you did this and now you're a senior senior engineer like you know and it's watching that progression it's watching the fact they went to like the careers week events yeah and then after that they did something else and then they moved on and it's knowing that we can actually have real impact on individuals which is I don't know I think it's incredible it is that is that that's honestly yeah. shout out I like to I like to give <laughs> praise and praises due it's incredible you. like you're having an impact on all of these black women lives mm. because I I think out of yeah probably any type of human black women go through the most barriers mm-hmm. you know we're interse- intersectional and then especially in tech as well it's mm. such an underrepresented space so for yeah. you to really be you know breaking that is something you should be really proud of how do you feel I feel great, but I also don't spend time thinking about it. I haven't got, I haven't got time for that feeling. If that makes sense, this is the time to. Like, I know, I, know. Okay, I feel great. It feels really lovely. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> no, but no, it is good. It is good. Yeah. It's fantastic, and I do feel like it's amazing. And you know, when good stuff happens, I'm like, let me have like a few minutes, and then you're allowed to feel emotions for these few minutes, and then get back to work. So it's it's fantastic that we're able to make a difference. Don't get me wrong, I've sat on calls with people where they call me and tell me stuff, and I'm just there crying, and I'm like, no, but you can't shake. <laughs> Don't cry, Charlene, just get through it, because we've got to move on to, like, winning something else so that we can help more people or support more people. So um, Tears of joy, right? Yeah, tears yeah, of joy. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Perfect. Like, knowing that people's lives actually change yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, of, because I watched a movie. Like, that's, that's no, amazing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't got the... I can't think about it because of how happy it makes me. So, yeah, it's amazing. That's, like, fulfilling your purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... Like, well, like, one thing I think we're all here for is a purpose. Yeah. And that I feel like you've kind of found one and it's almost been destined for you, like you said. Like It's interesting because I always say to people now, I'm like, when you're doing the right thing, when you're doing the thing that you're supposed to do, everything's going to fall on your path in the way it should do. And don't... Like, obviously, I also work really hard. Yeah. But, like, it's like... The things that are supposed to happen fall there in the right way. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose right now. And I know it's making an impact because because of 
how easy it is amongst how hard it is mm. like to get to where we're trying to go what's been one of the most inc- incredible kind of stories that have led you to the point of tears mm. Of mm. who has led me to tears which which one should i tell you about um i think that there's one that one that always stands out was on our first boot camp actually and mm. um, we had somebody who we were training who she called me and she was like devastated because she was like you know what i was she lives in birmingham and mm. In that time, she was like, you know, I saw gunshots outside yesterday and this thing happened and I want to take my child and move them here and I can't, like, this boot camp is literally my only way out. And I never thought of a boot camp as being someone's only way out. I've never considered it. And I think knowing that after that, she was then able to gain a new role on a much higher salary. She's then able to move house to a new area and on top of that can then create or expand an existing community that she had to empower other people, other young people, means that that one person on that course, mm. you know, she changed her life, but also she's changing other people's lives as well. Mm-hmm. And that was a call where I cried, mm. but it's a call where then when you're tired and you're like, oh, do you know what? I just don't know if I can, I can't write another proposal. I can't like write another email. <laughs> then you remember that and you're like, I can do it. I can make myself do it. That's exactly mm. I, I feel that so much because yeah. again I can I can resonate because I've had different individuals contact me about different things. Even the other day when we had um, the event at Depop, yeah, um, I had um, a girl. She asked to speak to me, and I was speaking to her, and she was just bursting out crying. Mm-hmm. I was I was like kind of shell shocked. I was yeah. like, "Why are you crying?" She was like, "I'm just so happy to like just be here around other black creatives and, yeah. and everything." And I was just like, "Wow, like, this this means that much exactly. just to be just to be in existence without any other longer term impacts." But you know that, for example, is a is like a massive example of how you're not just changing one person's life, but also their their potential future generation exactly. people around them the opportunities their life of abundance that they can be living there's so much more to it mm. so it's good to, it's good to hear yeah it's, it's exciting yeah. yeah so good to hear what's next what's next yeah so i guess one thing that we want to do is like i said there's the tangible outcomes right so i want to take that to more people so at the moment we're doing it in the uk and we're doing it well in the uk we want to make sure that we can do it in the US. We want to mm. do it across Africa as well and the Caribbean. So I think that's why Caribbean would be fantastic. I know, right? I spoke to my dad about it last night. Mm. He was like, to me, I said, dad, I don't work in tech. Like, like that. I was like, he's like, yeah, get some people from Jamaica to England. Honestly, whenever I, <sighs> whenever I go to Jamaica, there's always, I'm having business meetings every time I go to look at really? what we can do. Because I think that we just have to. And yeah, I've got my passport coming soon. Hopefully. Oh, you can't! I was Which, literally saying to my dad last yeah, night, I need to apply for mine. Yeah, get your passport because it means that we can have more of an impact as well. We can do yeah. more out there. So that's one thing that's really high on my agenda is making sure that we can have an impact in Jamaica, but in other places too. Um, on top of that, I think that you know we're looking at how we can remain sustainable. Mm. So we're looking at other approaches to to supporting people's growth and their development as well. Um, which we're expanding on and, and growing. At the moment. What does that look like, the um, sustainable growth? Sustainable growth, I think it's looking at, um, for every thing or activity that we do, I want multiple ways to ensure that we can deliver that. So if that means that, say we have an event and we can do some of that that we do as a community and that's fine. Mm. Um, other bits that we may look at how we can get corporates to support us, maybe there's funding that can support us as well. So it's making sure that every 
opportunity that we have available in the community we have multiple ways of getting it funded so that we, mm. we don't have to stop if the world changes mm. and it's making sure that we can adapt and, and change where we need to mm. as the as the world changes as well and not only you know looking at where the finances come from but also looking at what the the tech landscape looks like as well right mm. so we know that we need to have people focus on data science machine learning learning python and so on so we're making sure that we build those courses out ready to go for people to to develop and, and learn on those as well so it's looking ahead at what the market's going to do so that we can be ready for the changes how do you know these things do you do constant research on constant research going to events um we have a lot of discussions internally we also have conversations with with funders and see what sort of things they might be thinking of obviously they don't really tell us much there but um, sometimes you can kind of try to understand where they might be going. Um, but also looking at just the sort of thing, the co- sort of um, initiatives that the government are kicking off or starting. Mm. Normally they're quite long running initiatives. So you can understand what they might be investing in for the next five, five, ten years. So mm. it's useful to have a look at things like that and, and understand how you can be part of that, whether it's directly with government or at least knowing if they're going to be funding that sort of project, it's going to impact these types of companies and therefore this is how I could support that growth and make sure that black women are in every that, element of it that's a really good shout I didn't yeah. even, even think about that but that's actually a really good way to look at it yeah because sometimes again it can be I've, I've noticed the trend in roles shifting mm-hmm. with certain roles being made redundant or not being rehired so it's like okay how can we make sure that we stay upskilled yeah. in in the loop and you know we're still able to be high value in the future as well and i think it's really important to look at that and it's looking at not just like if there's a role that's going to need loads of engineers like civil engineers or something i don't know look at the other types of industries or the other types of roles that that could impact right because then you can try and prepare for it as well ahead of time ah that makes a lot of sense Mm. with your boot camps are there any live at the moment or that will be live say in the new year that you can talk about or not yet yeah, so we in the new year, we anticipate that we're going to have three boot camps open for application. Mm. That's our entry to tech boot camp, which is software engineering. So you'll learn Java, maybe C sharp on that. And we also have our AWS restart boot camp, which is to learn cloud cloud computing, cloud services, okay. and our return to tech boot camp as well. Which okay. Looks at people who are slightly more experienced, gaining um, more skills than moving into new experience positions as well amazing amazing yeah. so there's so much to look forward to so much coming up which yeah. is amazing so there's no excuses please share this mm-hmm. okay share the information with anyone that you know anyone that you see anyone that you think mm-hmm. can benefit from it and um, don't just keep it to yourself okay there's many <laughs> boot camps um before we, we wrap up right yeah. first of all once again well done and thank you for also paving the way because i feel like it's women like yourself that have done mm-hmm. done coding black females that have actually opened doors to make me feel like I can have a community, mm. I can inspire, I can have an impact, and I can do things. And it helps you even talking to me and telling me what you've been doing. I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a good way to approach it. So thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, for those listening, any last words that you'd like to say that would leave someone feeling inspired? Anything that you wish you were told earlier in your life? anything i wish i was told oh my god there are so many things but no i would say um i started the group with a small in a small room it was a bit dingy there were four of us and now we have a global community and we teach people how to enter the industry and we're changing the tech landscape so if you if you try something or if you do something it doesn't quite go the way you expect it doesn't mean you should give up 
that's just the start and I guess for me it's sticking at it and making sure that you stick at it um and be consistent with it because you'll you don't know where it could end up thank you thank Thank you so much that's great to me and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the that great connect podcast um we're listening to charlene and myself Richardson. and i'll share all her details about cody black females and charlene in the chat please share remember to subscribe and i will see you all on the next black great connect podcast episode take care bye